Shalom, everyone. This is Dr. Dina Dye, and I'm back <laughs> along with my co-host, Jeff Morton. Say hi, Jeff. Hi, everybody. So it's been a while, and uh, I have been down in the pit for about six months. Uh, I'm not going to go through the entire six months, but it's been a challenging, difficult period season in our lives for my husband and I. And Many of you know we uh, we have been staying with friends for that period of time, trying to purchase a home with our family. Pretty much everything fell apart. Uh, it's a very interesting story. Everything I did pray every time I tried to make a decision. I asked the Father, "Okay, if this is not Your will, would You shut the door?" And He dutifully shut the door. He shut the door more times than I could count. And so when we uh, early November, we finally actually were able to make an offer on a home that we had seen months before but had, had been on also under contract. And uh, that deal fell through about two days before they were supposed to close on it. So we kind of got in there and, and made an offer and it worked and finally. So Michael and I are in our new home. We love it. It's out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> we do have one neighbor. so. And uh, we have wonderful 360-degree views, and uh, it's a lot colder where we're living, but, you know, you just put on more clothes. And the house works really well for us. It's the design, et cetera, is just really, is really good fit. So I finally have an office. I finally got it set up. Uh, all my books that have been in storage for at least, you know, six months, I now actually get to look at and enjoy and open up and read. Uh, it, I didn't really get to write much. Uh, in, very little work was done on my book, uh, The Temple Revealed in Noah's Ark. But I did experience perhaps the world of Noah we call chaos. Because <laughs> that's exactly what, you know. And you, you just have to know that the Father uses that. And so as, I'm, you know, as I get back to work on the book, um, the concept of chaos becomes really important because Everything outside the covenant relationship with God is chaos. So the only the place of order is when the, the covenant is made and the house is, is functioning. So I, I think I got to learn that firsthand, and so that'll be a, a major focus in the new book. But I'm just, uh, you know, Jeff and I, we've been staying in touch, but it's just been impossible, uh, you know, for me to, to, to really have a consistent program. And so we're hoping now with this this program here that we're back on track and uh, we will bring you a show. Uh, we'll be able to get it up, I guess, on Sundays. And and uh, I, we have lots to talk about. You know, I have I still have been reading and, and researching and, and Jeff has as well. So we, I haven't been just sitting there staring out the window for six months. Um, but everything, hopefully everything's coming together now and, and we can take it back, you know, returning to Eden and really start bringing you some, some exciting research that we've both been doing. So that's kind of, uh, that's my nutshell. I, I'm not going into all the details. Um, they'll probably come out as we talk, but it's, it's great to be back. What say you, Jeff? Well, um, like yourself, Dina, I, uh, as I starting last, the end of last year, I hopped on a plane to California, then I went to uh, New York, uh, I came back from New York, I went to visit my brother who was sick, I hopped on a plane and went to Orlando, Florida, I came back from that, 
Then I hopped on another plane, and I went back to New York to bury my brother. And then after that, I hopped on another plane to go to Montana and visit uh, um, a camp up there for veterans. And then after that, let's see, I hopped on another plane to go back to New York. My aunt passed away, and uh, I came back from that. And uh, more recently, I, oh, in August, we hopped on a plane. The whole family went down to Texas. And uh, during all of this, Michelle and I were looking for a home to purchase here in the Pacific Northwest. I really didn't want to do that. Uh, and my heart wasn't into it, so I kept praying, Lord, what am I going to do? And all these different things. And, of course, our world is, you know, it's kind of compact with our daughter here now and our grandson uh, as, as they, you know, work on getting their, their lives together. So it's been pretty um, – it's been – a um, a horse race for for the last year of my life. Uh, and more recently, I just got back from South Carolina. I went down to visit with my younger brother, uh, did a few things there, but I kind of went down there to scope out the land as well. So it worked out for both of us. And now the, I'm praying, Father, if we can go to South Carolina, open that door. If not, let me know. Uh, there's talk of starting a restaurant here with my business partner. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty loyal about those kinds of things, and I want to honor everything. And then, of course, we were doing to the corporation the uh, the um, uh, uh, home renovation stuff, and that's been, I mean, virtually every door that, that uh, we hoped would open closed, but it didn't close. It slammed shut. So we were working on... In my world, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We well, in my world, we were working on the house, trying to figure out what to buy in a hypermarket where there's virtually nothing left on the market except the stuff nobody wants. Trying to flip a home in the state of Indianapolis that wasn't working out very good, and trying to, uh, you know, going back all over the place, doing all these things on the plane. So, doing the program just became problematic and of course Dina you were having your issues and, and you didn't have the stability and I remember we were doing the show and uh, you know folks she and I typically can watch each other and see each other while we're doing the shows uh, somebody came in the view and they might as well have been cooking Thanksgiving dinner in the kitchen while we were doing the show and so it's just been difficult to kind of bring a quality program to to what we want to talk about and the information we want to return to as we return to Eden. And so hopefully, having said all of that, Dana, listening to your situation, we can move forward in 2019. Uh, we can start opening up this discussion, why we do this show, and go further. And just a final thought on that, I've had an opportunity to study and to read. Dana, i got to tell you something you don't know about this. In your book, The Temple Revealed in the Garden, I I started going through your um through the bibliography of some of the writers that you you were referring to, and I started tapping into them. Of course, you know I I came across Michael Morales. You sent me his book. Thank you for that. And uh, but I started going through some of your bibliographies and started looking up some of these people you were referring to. And uh, not necessarily fact-checking, but just going to find out who these people were, if you will. You know, Sigmund Mo Winkle. And, uh, mm -hmm. of course, I've read a lot of, of uh, uh, what's her name, Solonsky, uh, 
I think her name is Dawn. Oh, Shauna. Shauna Delansky. And, you know, yes, and she, she's, I guess she's a professor of the college you all went to, I, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, Carl, Carleton University in Ottawa, which is where I so, went to school. <clears throat> well, I started going through some of these people, and I started checking out the material, and you, you were right about the one lady. She's kind of way out there. Um, <laughs> I Margaret can't, Barker. Oh, yes, Margaret Barker. <laughs> so I can't, but I also bought a book that, uh, that was referenced to me by a guy named Ian Provan. I tried to read some of it. I got, you know, two chapters into it, and I thought, okay, this is more of an exegesis exercise and futility, if you ask me. But I have had a very good opportunity to study and reflect on the information that I've learned from Joe Good, from yourself, from Rico Cortez, and a host of people. And I, I'm, I'm beginning to understand what it's like to be kind of out there all by yourself talking about something that most people don't or have they don't have the information or the resources or even the the uh, studied material to even understand what we're talking about so um and i asked you just a minute ago before we went into recording how is it that your show on israel tv network according to the information you have and you passed on to me is number one <laughs> when i'm sitting here going most people don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, when, so when I'm talking I, I about mean, some it material. Is, it's a puzzle. Uh, I have to say, a lot of they they do get a lot of hits from uh, you know not just the United States but all around the world. Now I I would submit that people sort of in Asian countries etc. Um, that are Christians would probably understand the material a little better, just because their world is temples. You know what I mean? I do. So uh, I think that lends itself, perhaps. I know that I have a, a following in Romania. I don't even know what that means, but there's a bunch of people there that seem to like the program. And perhaps, I mean, my material is so different than pretty much any other presenter on the network. I did, when I recorded my the last series the, on the parables from Exile to Return, I did try to really slow it down and really explain things, so uh, maybe it really resonated with people. I think that they're just ready to hear something different. I think they're ready to hear to have the Bible make sense because there's let's face it, there's a lot of things in the scriptures that really don't make any sense, especially when you've pulled them out of their cultural context and sort of the ancient Near East context. So I'm trying to put the material back into that, and maybe it's resonating with people. All I know is I'm just going to keep on keeping on, doing what I do, try to understand that world better, and then make the connection to the scriptures and then for people modern day. You know, we talked earlier about the concept of chaos. Of course, what it meant in the ancient world and what it means today could be vastly different but but in reality they're they're quite similar a lot of chaos in the ancient world was caused by rulers and kingdoms and armies and we could argue the same thing is true today you know our politicians and our rulers cause chaos in our lives uh, the key part of what I'm going to focus in on the Noah book is how do we overcome chaos how do we overcome disorder in uh, and bring order to our lives in the midst of a world that's that's total chaos because things are not going to improve in that in that area so we have to learn how to be kingdom people 
how to create order in our own personal life, in our family, and in the world around us. So a lot of that uh, will come to bear. So anyway, those are just sort of a few thoughts on that. I honestly really don't know why the program's number one. I'm just grateful. Well, I was, uh, you know, along those same lines, I, down in South Carolina I had the privilege of meeting one of my brother's best friends who happens to be a pastor now. He's a few years older than myself. And we went to his congregation and <clears throat> brand new building, beautiful place, great people. And uh, I had an opportunity to go into the office with the pastor and I set him down and I shared with him a little bit about what we talk about. And <laughs> I would say for the first 10 minutes he was listening, the first, and then about 30 minutes into this conversation, his mouth is open and he's shocked, and I've got the Bible open in front of him, and we're going through things, and he says to me, now this is a pastor uh, who's been pastoring a church forever. He says, man, I've never seen any of this before. Where, where did you get this from? I said, well, we're reading the scriptures right here, but I was, I was shifting the context for him. And that was a big thing. And then I had another lady, a black woman, uh, I had an opportunity to speak to her, and she goes, you know, two days ago I asked the Lord to show me something new. Our church is becoming boring to me. She literally said that to me. And so I showed her a few things. I spent about, she was actually the desk clerk at the hotel I was staying at. I, I showed her some information. I felt she was a believer and I asked her, are you believing? She said, yeah, her husband was a deacon in the church or an elder. So I showed her some stuff, and she sat there right there. It was about 10 o'clock at night, and she was shocked. She was shell-shocked. And she said, I've just prayed, God, show me something I don't know I haven't seen before. And so, of course, I showed her, you know, more of a kingdom perspective of what we're all talking sure. about. And I gave her some a different way to look at the Genesis 1 and 2. And she was like, um, she, I, you know, I, I haven't heard from her since. But she was uh, it's just, uh, Dina, what I'm trying to say is people, the people who are seeking this information, they're thirsty. They want to hear something yeah. different, something new. Well, and we're not really doing something new. Yeah. yeah, well, we're not doing anything new. We're just kind of restoring him back to what he's doing as opposed to yeah. what we've done to what he's doing through the ages. Yeah. yeah, try to take them back to the ancient Near East world, the context in which the Bible was written, and then bring it forward, the time of Yeshua, and then forward uh, to, uh, you know, to our time. And one of the frustrations I hear, because People, this is sort of the, that Greek way of thinking, because we're either going to put it in the metaphorical box or we're going to put it in the historical scientific box, and never the twain shall meet. And so this is, is very important to understand that the writers wrote in a historical context with you know real people, real places, real events, but they overlaid that with their interpretation of, that, of the uh, historicity of it. And so their interpretation is what, we've been focusing on we are not denying you know historical events and historical people but we're saying what is the message behind that what is their spin or their interpretation that they would like us to see and then how of course how can we apply that today so we don't want people to get frustrated or put these two approaches in separate boxes when we look at the scriptures 
and th this is a challenge as well. Well, a good example of the very thing you just said, and I use this quite a bit when I'm having this conversation, is if we just consider Moses and what he's writing. He's writing about a historical event. Uh, if, we, if we consider Moses writing Genesis 1 and 2, he's recalling a historical event. But our mind in the Western world puts Moses in the garden. <laughs> and, right. and so we don't realize that Moses is telling a story to an audience that doesn't need a lot of explanation because they're culturally connected to that world, but that world was Egyptian. And so we have to have the dynamic of the Egyptian culture in the day of Moses in order to understand how he's relating historical account to the people of his day, as opposed to reading Genesis and then creating a sermon out of it from context that has nothing to do with the writer's authority and what he's talking about. And once we get the person, or once a person realizes that dynamic, then the story becomes less fantastical and more relatable. And that, to yeah. me, is, that's the challenge, because once we get past the, I call it a conundrum, and I, I'll, I'll just say it that way, once we get past the way we've been taught to go back to understand the way that they did things, then we begin to realize the way that they did things and the message that they were conveying, that's where the authority lies. It doesn't align. The authority, I like how John Walton says it, the authority is mm -hmm. from the mind of the writer. But we have to understand right. that the writer is using you know, he's not, a, he's not a Princeton graduate. He didn't graduate from Yale. He's not from Harvard. He's from an ancient world, an ancient society, an ancient culture where they didn't have science as a backdrop. They had myth, the world was mythical to them, so their writing styles were not based on logic, logical explanations from the scientific world. Right. Uh, you know, well, and this is... It's a difficult thing for, you know, we're post-Age of Enlightenment. It's difficult for us. Um, we want to make everything literal and scientific. And it's, it's hard to look at material that wasn't written from that perspective and make sense of it. And, I, you know, and I'm, I'm a pretty logical person. I don't err into this fantastical side of things. I'm a realist. I live in Realville. Life is hard. Stuff happens. You yeah. know, how do I deal with my fridge that died when I moved into my new house and I got to go get another one? You know, the Internet's down, the power's out, the battery in the car died, you know, all in the course of about three days. I got to go deal with this. You know, right. so how do I deal with it and how do I approach it? Now this is where the kingdom comes into, you know, step by step, trusting in the Father. And, and things happen all through the week, you know, that you could tell he was in the middle of it. And so we are, you know, be, you know, flesh beings living in a real world, and they were too. It's just they describe their world differently than we describe our world. So that's really what our focus is with this show is going back, looking how they describe their world and saying, okay, what on earth does that really mean? And we talked about, you know, I've mentioned in the past, locusts are not, you know, helicopters. 
locusts were locusts, but what was that communicating to the people back then? Well, they saw that as, you know, armies coming against them that would ravage the land and destroy and eat everything in its path and you know, destroy their agricultural cycles, etc. So we're, we're about trying to show the folks as best we can, because believe me, we don't have it all figured out by any stretch. We sure don't. Thank you for saying that. But, but, you know, as we study and research and look at these uh, various scholars, things are starting, you know, to make more sense in, in that arena. And so we're hoping to, as we go through this year, you know, my goal is to help people understand the Bible from that perspective. What is actually being said and then how do we, you know, how do we take it for today? Well, and it, you know, it, it really, when you, if you really just stop and think about it, <clears throat> and I'll give an example here in a moment. If we don't understand the way that they were writing and the integrity by which they were writing from their world, what is our theology based on? Mm-hmm. If it's if it's it occurred to me I was reading uh, I was reading uh, Victor Horowitz yesterday uh, uh, the Temple book he wrote and it occurred to me that the Western world doesn't have a theological concept of the Old Testament. Right, that's true. It, it just doesn't exist. And so because the world in the Western theological arena starts at, uh, starts at, at uh, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, so there's, you know, there's like two-thirds of the biblical narrative that is completely not examined or used as reference material, as opposed to this is an actual span of centuries where the Father's hand was doing something. What is that something, and how are those people communicating it to their world? Because if we don't set that as the foundation, we'd liable to come up with just about anything. And yesterday I threw this question out, and here's my example and I, we're coming down to the end of the program, Tina, but my example was, if we just look at, um, and I don't have the verse, I was going to look it up, but I didn't, Adam naming the animals, okay? And you and I talked about this before we went, recorded. Uh, I just threw the question out there. If you could picture Adam naming the a- animals, how did he do it? And so uh, my, my reason for doing what was to throw that out there so people could look at it. But people don't look at it. They have an answer already. And the answer was, well, perhaps he collected their DNA. I got that from two different people. I won't mention any names. But you see how quick it is that we impose our reality on that world. Yeah. When, well, in fact, I, go ahead. Well, I, I don't know if I'm kind of interrupting here, but, but one of the things in the ancient world, uh, to name something was to to bring it into existence. It wasn't actually giving it a, a name in the way we think of it, but it's it's something is is like coming out of the womb, coming into existence, and it giving a function, giving it function and purpose. And so the the relationship between Adam, who is king, and and the animals ha- has more to do with. Uh, something coming, becoming something to do something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, if you just stop and just stop and just contemplate the ideal 
that of the one to two million animal species on the face of the earth, if we take that sentence literally, then we have to also consider the fact that Adam is sitting in a room, naming the animals one by one. How many years would that have taken? So we have to realize that that's just a, that's hyperbole. That's a, that, that's not that's an allegory. But we so we have to go find out what is actually being communicated here. Right. How, because I always tell people when you picture Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the garden, do you picture a giant boot kicking them over a wall? And because that's the way our Western mind operates. And yet the dynamic has to do with them being divorced from the land, and that's happened to Israel a few times. So we can actually mirror them leaving the land to the story of Israel. And I asked a couple of Jewish people, when you read the story of Genesis, what do you what do you get? And they both said the story of Israel. Yeah. But both of them said that to me. Yeah. And I said, well, what about the creation event? And they both said that, well, that's, that's a Christian concept. Uh-huh. And so I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. But yeah. you know what? That's true. Yeah. So well, anyway. I mean, this is what our program's about. You know, we're just trying to f- help, fig- you know, figure it out and, con- and, uh, and share with our listeners and um, grow. hopefully together we can all grow and understand better and just make sense of the world around us in <coughs> the context of the kingdom. I mean, that's, that's our goal. And that, that is the goal of returning to Eden. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hoping and believing and praying that, uh, like, like you say, Dean, it's, it's a coin toss. Things are going to get worse. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. may, but maybe in mine and your life, we could do the show each week as this chaos overtakes a lot of the world because we know that's what's happening. It's like <clears throat> I have to give credit to Pastor Mark Bilch yesterday when he said he coined this phrase, lawlessness is becoming legal. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it is. It's whatever is, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever the Father created in order to bring order, that's what's being attacked yeah. in the world today. Exactly. And it's going to get worse. I do believe that. But we're walking in a kingdom. (coughs) In the kingdom, things are in order and have been restored. And that that is our hope. That is our joy. That is our crown. That is how we walk. I don't, uh, you know, there's nothing else to say other than, uh, it's good to be back doing this, and I'm glad you said, hey, Jeff, let's do the show. So we're back, folks, and Dina, I know you got to go to Orlando. Uh, when are you leaving for Orlando? Uh, the 8th or the 9th <coughs> of January, somewhere in there. And I, along with my wife, will be in Vegas. Uh, so um, we get back on the 6th. So you're, you're leaving after that. Maybe we can do a show when you're down there. You'll have to test the water and see how that works. In the meantime, we're going to try to do a show each Sunday, folks, and then I'll edit it and post it uh, uh, when I can get that done Sunday. But anyway, we're kind of back, and we're just going to kind of slide back into the norm, normal thing that we were doing uh, before last year happened <laughs> or this year happened. <laughs> really? Okay, Dina, it's good All to right. have you back on. It's good Thanks. to talk to you always. Blessings. Shalom. All right, you guys. Bye-bye. This is Jeff and Dina. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.